Georgia players are the talk of the town in Indianapolis after the NFL Combine. This is after Georgia won a national championship in Indianapolis. I'm Dane Young from UGASports.com. Brent Rollins, my co-author on Film Don't Lie. He's also from Pro Football Focus, is with me as well. And Brent, Georgia guys at the NFL Draft showed out from beginning to end, really all four days of uh, the Combine. I said the draft a moment ago. They'll do that later on. But at the Combine, it was the Georgia Bulldogs making headlines with speed, with power, with how are you that big and how you, do you move that fast. We're going to talk about that, break it down. But just overall, what were your impressions of what Georgia's guys did for NFL scouts? I mean, just it just showed what freakish ability that we had seen all season that they had. And they just it's, – it's confirmation for all those things. And it's even just a little bit more of – it's both believable yet unbelievable how the combination of size and speed that they, 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 that they showed. But like you said, the biggest thing was that it was the talk of the weekend. You know, you're talking about the, the national championship. They win, they win that. And then they win the combine champion. I think Peter Schrager was on the NFL Network, said they win the combine championship too. It, and I think I even saw – clips where you know, guys are going through drills and the whole conversation is not on the guy going through the drill, but still talking about, wow, did you see what this Georgia guy did or what that Georgia guy did? So it was probably the biggest recruiting weekend of the season that you didn't actually have a recruit on campus or talking to them. We have a series going on right now, just of uh, kind of 15, 20 minute breakdowns of each individual player that's draft eligible for Georgia uh, it's on this YouTube channel. You can subscribe and see those as they come out. We're going to do two a week heading into the NFL draft. And we've been trying to predict the order that we think the Georgia guys will go in. Uh, to this point, we've already done Trayvon Walker. We've done Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis, and uh, Devontae Wyatt. And I think we feel good that that'll be Georgia's first four players. And I think after the combine with those guys, we still feel pretty good that those guys are all first-round picks, right? 100%. Now, Kobe Dean didn't do the – workout part of it uh, and evidently and maybe he does it at the pro day maybe not but likely probably does it there but I think that's that's one where I feel really strong about those four guys ending up in the first round and it's one where because of how freakish that you saw Davis and Wyatt at their size I think we knew Walker was going to do those things athletically but the Davis Walker you know just unreal what they did that might be where that – and then all the other edge guys, by the way. All the other guy, pass rusher types that showed crazy ability, crazy athleticism, where those guys get pushed up and somebody like N'Kobe Dean maybe moves down. That would be the only thing, the order. But I think those four are definitively first-round picks uh, after this weekend. And there's an argument that there is a possibility – that as many as six Georgia guys could be first-round selections, and that's if you include Lewis Seen. They would have to be, I think, a run on safeties, but he did help himself with a great combine. And then if George Pickens gets in there as well, which 
you know, there's a lot of things at play there. One of them being is that wide receiver is a really hot commodity in the NFL, kind of the opposite of what the running back position is where, I mean, you have to be a Saquon Barkley to get to be a first round pick as a running back anymore. And even then, sometimes you slip into the second or third round with wide receiver. You can get stressed a little bit, but it's it's a stiff competition. All to say, Lewisine and George Pickens, I think both have outside shots to sneak in the first round if the fit is correct. Yeah, and I think especially with seeing with him, you know, official, I think his official was four, three, seven today. Like that one was big for him because I, I didn't think that he would run that fast. I thought he would be right around four five, maybe upper four fours. And, you know, he put the fastest 40 out of anybody that ran uh, in terms of Georgia players, but the, the Pickens one, both him, both seen and Pickens for me, a lot of what they're being in the first round depends on, do teams actually take swings on QBs in the first round this year? If they And if they do, and you see Hal and Willis and Pickett, like Kenny Smallhands Pickett, like if you see if you see those guys in the first round, then I think you're likely to see Seen and Pickens come off in the in the early part of the second. You know, and for a lot of Georgia fans that may not watch every game. I mean, if you're subscribed to our YouTube channel, you better watch every game. But for the ones that are a little more casual, to think that, like, how are all these guys first-round picks? And George Pickens is one that might not be because when you watch, when he's in the game and playing, it's impossible to ignore what he brings to a team. Uh, and so I, I wonder if, if that's an injury thing, so if, if maybe the speed. But he still ran a four four seven, which I think is plenty yeah. fine for a wide receiver in the NFL. Yes, and, and for him – I think if we had seen him this year and it was, you know, and it was 15 different plays like we saw in the national championship game or, uh, or the, even the, or the tough contested catch that he made in the SEC championship game. If it was 15, 20 week after week of that, I think you would be seeing Pickens clearly in that first round discussion. And he still might be, who knows? And obviously if all his medicals checked out this past weekend and everybody feels great about his knee and, when you think about a winner, the other winner, another winner this weekend, Ron Corson. <laughs> you got Zamir White coming off two ACLs. I mean, which grant he's what two years out from all of those injuries, but still running four four Pickens less than twelve months ACL running like he did and doing all the things that he did, and just the strength and conditioning staff in general, uh, and some of the things that they did, you know, with this group. It just they showed out in the biggest way possible for our YouTube and Facebook audiences. We do have the 40 times this is official from the NFL uh, on the screen right now. I'm going to read these out real fast for the podcast audience. We're not going to do this for all of the uh, combine drills, but the 40 is obviously one that always makes headlines. Lewisine was George's fastest runner at a 4.37. Zamir White did a 4.40. James Cook, 4.42. George Pickens and Channing Tindall both with 4.47. Trayvon Walker with a 4.51. Quay Walker with a 4.52. Jake Camarda, punter. Athlete, athlete. (laughs) 4.56. The defensive lineman, Devontae Wyatt, 4.77. Jordan Davis, a 4.78, which is also my home area code, so shout out for that. And uh, Justin Schaefer with a 5.14. That is a lot of speed from a lot of weight, uh, not in the case of Jake Camarda on that last part, uh, but like you said, an athlete as well. Overall, 
just what I see from this, Lewis Seen did make him some money with that 40 time. And we saw that in his run game pursuit. So I think anything with Lewis Seen is going to be about pass defense. The other 40 time, I think Channing Tindall just really solidified that he'll be a second to third. I mean, second, third, fourth. In the top three rounds. He's a top three round guy. Top three round guy, special teamer for 10 years in the NFL, that kind of guy. 100%. Mm -hmm. 100%. Uh, So that's what else stood out to you about the 40 times? It's the big guys. Like that, that's it's you know, you expect the backs and the receivers and the safeties to run fast. But when you look at what and by the way, I consider also Quay Walker a big guy because he's not light. He's you know at six four, two forty, whatever it is that he, he came in at. But Trayvon, let's just for you know sake of comparison, Chubb was four five two, Sony Michelle was four five four. So Trayvon at 272 pounds just outran both of them in the 40. You know, that's, you know, that Roquan Smith was 451 at 225 or so pounds. Aziz Ojolari, who another edge guy last year, second round pick, I think was 463. So what Trayvon did just overall athletically is, and just that his, the size, speed, the bend, like the drill they showed. The, the drill, one of the best drills that they do for the edge guys where they run around, they got to put the sock or whatever it is on the ground and they bend around the, around the tube, around the circle. Like his bend and skill on that, phenomenal. Just unbelievable what he was able to do uh, athletically. And then Jordan Davis and Devontae White. Because of Davis's 40 at 340 pounds, it kind of overshadowed how awesome Devontae White was. But when you when you think about it, I think the biggest thing was with those three guys, it was both believable as well as unbelievable how phenomenal and how fast and that they were at the size that they were because you've seen it all year on the breakdowns that we do and, the, and even the breakdowns that we did uh, on this YouTube channel for the for the draft previews. We've seen that. I've seen it personally with Davis and Walker. I had the chance during the COVID quarantine to work out with those two guys. I've never seen quicker feet like watching Jordan Davis do the, the ladder drills. I've never seen anything like that at that size, as quick a feet as that. So, you know, that it was both, like I said, believable as well as unbelievable. But those guys, just because of the size component, stole the show. There'll be some decisions to be made for some of these guys of what they want to do at Georgia's Pro Day. Historically, when you have a really good combine performance, you're a little yeah. less likely to go back through that at your pro day and want to let your past experience speak for itself. Yeah, you do the interviews, 100%. Like Wyatt, Davis, Walker, I mean, Scene even. Like a lot mo- – most of these guys – that I actually, your point is phenomenal. How many guys actually now do the pro day given the fact that they just completely dominated the combine? I mean, maybe they do it just to do it just because they, they're competitors and they want to and they want a bit better time or they think they can run a better time or, you know, but I don't, but I just, I don't know to me, like those guys, especially those three, Davis, Wyatt and Walker, like, all right, let's do some interviews at the pro day. Yeah. Historically, like the 40 is one of the first things that would go. Now, if you look only one Georgia player did bench press reps in Indianapolis, it was Jamari Sally with 31 reps. I do think a couple of guys will do that in Athens, even if they yeah. don't run the 40. And I think Devonte White even said as much that he was going to do the bench press in Athens. Yeah, and that makes sense. That makes sense. But other yeah, dr- these other drills that they've already dominated, yeah, no. Well, one of the those three being- cone, like Trayvon ran a three cone of 
unreal. Like six, eight, nine is unreal, impressive for Give anything. Me some context seven. for that for the six, eight, nine because a lot of people three cone drill. You say six, eight, nine, they don't really have that frame of reference. So tell me why that's so freaky. I think, I, I think, like you look back at, at Pollock's three cone time. I think it's right around that. Maybe just a, his was just a tick better, but he did that at at two, you know, sixty as as opposed to or two fifty five, whatever he was at the combine, as opposed to two seventy two. But it's right there in terms of comparable three cone times. And by the way, also comparable on the three cone to the elitist, uh, you know, the most elite pass rushers that have come through the draft, the Miles Garrett's of the world. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the vertical jumps. Channing Tindall with a forty two. I mean, he's he's such an explosive athlete, such an explosive, and that's I can't even imagine jumping that high with, uh, with that high of a vertical. Lewisine thirty six and a half, Trayvon Walker thirty five and a half, Zamir White thirty three and a half, George Pickens thirty three, James Cook thirty three, which I thought was really good for him. Uh, Jordan Davis thirty two, Quay Walker thirty two, Devontae Wyatt twenty nine, and Justin Schaefer twenty five five um the pickens one i thought he might be pickens i thought he might be just a little bit more with that and also with pickens his hands shocked me like you know everybody got on the kenny pickett because his small hands like you know everybody thought jake Fromm had small hands like kenny pickett had infinitely smaller hands and you know i've got people showing pictures of their like 12 year old kid who has bigger hands than kenny pickett but Pickens' hands were, I think, eight and three quarters, not even not even nine in chance. And you, know, you watch him catch the football and some of the ridiculous catches he's made, and you think, oh, he's probably got huge 10-inch type hands. No, he had actually had much smaller hands than, than I would have thought. But still, it, it doesn't affect him, his catching ability, and we'll go do that when we do this draft preview. Uh, which is coming up uh, this week. Uh, we'll get that out for everyone. Last uh, drill that we want to look at is the the twenty yard shuttle, uh, and that was Trayvon Walker with a four point three two, which again Trayvon just went and dominated Indianapolis. Yes, he did. He and what's interesting is is we've talked about it all year, and Dane Dane Brugger, one of the draft guys, was the first to really put him like in his first big board, put him at fifteen, and we're like, ooh. Other people were noticing what we've noticed all year watching this kid play. Where you know, and the thing with him, and what's interesting about him is that you don't see the statistics. Like you don't, he doesn't have high sack numbers. He doesn't have, you know, crazy high. And like his PFF grade is actually in the, I think, was in the seventies this year, which was be- the best season for him. But because of the position that he plays in Georgia's defense and what he's asked to do, it's so much more. It's not. It's not conducive to really just stat gathering. Uh, so I think you're going to see where NFL teams, when in doubt, what do you do? You bet on the bigger, stronger, faster guy. And he's bigger, stronger, faster than basically everybody, almost everybody in his position. Before the show, you sent me a metric that I want to kind of get your take on. And you know much more about it than I do. Uh, it's the relative athletic score. I'm going to share it on the screen for our YouTube audience. But if you'll explain, especially for our podcasters, kind of what this is and what it means uh, for, for those that are listening on podcast. Uh, this is a metric table. Uh, and, and Brent's going to tell you the reference for it. But just what we're seeing right now, Jordan Davis got a 10 on this scale. George Pickens got an 8.4. 
pretty much everyone else that worked out for Georgia and Indianapolis was somewhere in the middle. Uh, there are some guys that did not either work out at the combine or didn't qualify for this particular metric with like a Jamari Sawyer, Jake Camarda, et cetera. Um, so tell me what this uh, RAS metric, the relative athletic score is and what it means for Georgia players. It's very position specific. It's a position specific comparison of these athletic traits. So it's looking at speed and agility. It's looking at uh, size, strength, all, all the things that you can think of. It has, it has the 40 in it, the 20 yard split, the 10 yard split, uh, the shuttle, the three cone, vertical broad jump. So your explosiveness measures, and it gives you kind of a grade green in this case being elite that you see on the screen, the composite speed grade an agility grade an explosion grade, which is broad jump and 40 or in vertical and then a size grade. And when you look at this and what it does, it takes, it's the entire, I don't know, 35 plus years of the combine where these are publicly available metrics. He's just put it into a database and said, all right, here's where you are at your position compared to everybody else that's come through the combine. So for example, you have on the screen now, it says Zamir White at 9.81. If you look at Zamir White compared to Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb was a 9.24. So on this relative athletic score, Chubb had him more in the size stuff and size and some of the explosion pieces, but Samir White had him better, bested him in the speed components. So because because this is relative to people at the same position over the course of many years, am I led to believe that with Jordan Davis being a a 10 on this particular scale, George Pickens being an 8.41, essentially what this scale is saying is that if you want a defensive tackle that is – a Jordan Davis is as rare as it gets at that position. You're not going to find this. And it could take years and years and years to find this. Whereas maybe for a James Cook and a George Pickens, it's a little more common than people think. Right. And there, and there, and what it's saying is that James Cook, like if you look at a great comp for James Cook is Jamar Charles. uh, That was a back for the Kansas city chiefs for, for a while. And it's obviously just like anything else, the better you get, the closer you get to 10, the more, and more athletic, you're sort of you are comparative to the other people who have gone through the combine at your position. The only other player that out of the last, I think, 20 years from Georgia that's gotten a 10 on this RAS score is Lorenzo Carter. And he was, you know, because of the speed and that he had in his size, that that's the reason. But you know, doesn't does this translate at all into where you're going to get drafted? No, it's just to give you a reference of hey, is this person a really good athlete? comparatively at their position. Like, for example, last year the, uh, the Falcons took uh, Jalen Mayfield from Michigan, uh, who was, I think, a five-point-something as an offensive tackle, maybe like a 6.5 as a guard. Comparatively, athletically, he just wasn't there. Does that mean he's going to be a bad player in the NFL? No, not necessarily. He had a bad rookie year. But it's just a, a way to look at this, and what you see is a whole lot of green where you have just elite of the elite uh, athletic scores, where Jordan Davis, according to the, the guy that does it, uh, Ken Platt is his name, at Math Bomb on Twitter. He says, Jordan Davis has the second highest raw grade of any player at any position in the entire database. Hmm. Number one was Calvin Johnson. So, <laughs> like, that, that's a basically the combination of size and speed that Jordan Davis has and explosion and all those kind of things is unlike anything we've ever seen. And on this scale, Trayvon Walker is a 9.99, so pretty much a 10. Uh, and the only, I think the only – I think it was Miles Garrett and maybe one other were ahead of him, and that was it. 
what I want to do, uh, kind of for the remainder that we're talking about this this combine here, and we can take some questions from YouTube and Facebook if you have some as well. Uh, like Jonathan asked, did Nicobe Dean not run the forty? That is correct. He uh, did interviews. He's doing any workout stuff either at his pro day or not at all. I would imagine he'll be doing some stuff at the pro day, considering he didn't in Indianapolis. Right. I would agree. Um, so if you have other questions, drop them in YouTube and Facebook. We'll get them at the end. Here's what I want to do, Brent. I'm going to run down, and I, this is just needs to be a quick – I'm going to say a, a Georgia player's name, and I just want your off-the-cuff prediction of what round you think they'll be drafted in. And I know this may uh, kind of reveal a bit of our series, but that's okay. This is also an evolving process. We, I would say two weeks ago, had felt pretty good about the order that we thought Georgia players would be drafted after the combine. We're probably shifting that around a little bit. Um, you know, maybe the two defensive tackles go above the Kobe Dean. I think that's totally mm-hmm. possible. We'll see. Uh, so I'm just going to give you some guys and just off the cuff, tell me what round you think they're going in, uh, and then we'll kind of see where where that tallies too. Uh, Jordan Davis. All right, it's first round, and I, and you know we talked about the, the first four guys: Davis, Walker, uh, Wyatt, and then the Kobe Dean. I think all four of those guys are first round picks. Okay, uh, Lewis Seen. I do think that some quarterbacks get taken, and he gets pushed into the top of the second round. George Pickens. Also, I I could see him more so in the middle of the second round. I, there's a team, and when we do a draft preview, to me there's one team that picks in the mid-40s, I think, that I think if he – that's where he goes if he's not taken before then. Look at you with a little TVTs. If you want to see where <laughs> I think George Pickens will go in the 40s, tune in to our draft. Yeah, see, I like that. Channing yep. Tindall. I think he ends up in the third round. Zamir White. Also in the third round. Quay Walker. I th- the only I think he also ends up in the third. I've seen him as high as I think 40th on some of the big boards. You know, like the, the guys, the Darren Jeremiah's or the Dane Brugler's. But I, I just think that position, the value of that of that position, I think you're gonna see, and with the depth that you have, the pass rushers, receivers, and corners, which are much more in terms of value positions in the league, I think you're going to see him at the very top of the third round. James Cook. So he's an interesting one because I could see a world where he's one of the last picks of the second round. But I do think he also ends up in that third round. Jamari Sawyer. The medicals will be interesting for him. And I think – because, like, from a Ben perspective, he didn't do those type of drills. It would be interesting to see him do those drills at the pro day. He obviously showed the strength. His length, his arm, arm measurements, lengths were good. I think he, I still think he's a tackle as opposed to a guard uh, in the league. I just I don't know that he bends as well to be that in the league, uh, in the interior. I think he's just better suited for the outside. But I do think he ends up in the early part of the third round. I don't think he sneaks into the second. But I do think he ends up in the third third round as you know somebody who can play guard or tackle or play wherever. Justin Schaefer. I don't think he's the next. He's what they do. They do don't they do fourth round later? Fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Yeah. On the, you know, I think he's that day. I think fourth round probably. Uh, if he sneaks into the third round, I would be shocked. Uh, Darion Kendrick. What's he run? 
because I don't think he's going to run in the four fours. I think he, or if he, he, if he does, he might be at like four four nine. And given that, I think he ends up being maybe late third round, possibly even into the fourth round. Uh, four more guys that I'm going to ask about. Two of them are, are kind of a little quirky, so just kind of play along. Uh, Jake Camarda. Seventh round at best. Yeah. Because if, if if there's a punter that gets drafted, it's probably not him. It's probably the guy from San Diego State. Yeah, that guy's incredible. He was doing like 80-yard bombs. <laughs> yes. Uh, does John Fitzpatrick get drafted? 100%. I think he 100% gets drafted, and I think – that he actually – I think what's going to be interesting to me is if the Falcons don't take any Georgia players but one, it's him. I, th- I think he fits extremely well with the Falcons and the, how much two tight end uses they do. Other teams like that with uh, the Rams, the, the 49ers, that are, Charlie Warner obviously already plays with San Francisco, but those teams where he could just be an instant upgrade for the – Blocking, catch, like 15 passes a year tight end. This, this is a bit of a quirky one. Does Demetrius Robertson, former Georgia and then Auburn receiver, does he get drafted? No. Okay. I, I didn't think does. so, but I wanted to toss him in there. And the final one, Adam Anderson, does he get drafted? Do we know anything? Can I, can I get some more information? That's what all the NFL like, teams want, right? And, and as and, far and as we I talk know, about that. in any of the reporting that we've done – that, that case has not been you – know, it, it's in the same spot that it was. Someone made something about him in the comments, but I bet he, he may have run as fast as any of them Yeah, if he was there at the combine. I, I mean, he, he, I would bet he was in the low 4-4s, four 4-4-1, four 4-4-2 four 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 kind of deal. Uh, so, you know, you talk about all the, the Georgia talk, that guy might have been the fastest of all of them from a defensive perspective. So even from that rough estimation, we're saying four virtually guaranteed first-round picks, though I understand nothing is guaranteed in this thing uh, because things do happen, teams do crazy things, and all of a sudden, you know, some guy that ran a, a 4 three forty but actually didn't have good game film got picked 15th. That happens. Like, GMs make dumb decisions in this stuff. And, and sometimes some Georgia guys end up missing too, so I'm not trying to say that that doesn't happen. But let's just say that that's four. Even based on your estimation, you're saying another two guys in the second round, probably another three guys in the third round, and then probably another three to five guys in rounds four through seven. I mean, that's as good of a draft as – I mean, better than Georgia's well, ever Nine had. was the record last year. Yeah, Georgia, better and than I Georgia's don't... ever had, and that's getting into the territory of, like, best that any team has ever done in the draft period. I think LSU in 2019 had, like, 15, guys, 15 16 guys drafted. Yeah. But – you know, nine is the team record, and that was last year. I don't see how they go through the first three rounds and don't get nine guys drafted. Like, I think at least nine, you know, you're going to tie your record in the first three rounds this year. And it's, you know, Kirby, you know, it's, hey, go get great players. That's what recruiting does. You go get the best athletes and let them do their thing and develop them and make them better. Now, a couple other pieces in terms of winners. One, I think Zamir White was a big winner this weekend just you know, showing the speed and the ability to catch the ball. He, he did really well in the catch, catching drills. Two is Trey Scott. Like that guy was a big time winner this weekend as just his perception and the things the, that he's done because of all those guys, you know, Walker was a top 50 guy. Scene was a top 50 guy. 
Tyndall was a, I think a top 150, but still a four star product. You know, Zamir Pickens, those were top 10 guys. Cook was a five star. Like a lot of those guys were big time, big time of recruits. Jordan Davis and Devontae White were not. And those guys absolutely showed out. And you know what the insane thing about that is? There's probably a better one coming in the combine next year for Georgia. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like the best of the bunch is still at Georgia. Yes. And James Carter. 100%. I, would, now, I mean, I would. I get, there are things that, like, Jordan Davis can do that Jalen Carter probably can't do as well. But Jalen Carter can do a ton more athletically that Jordan Davis probably can. I mean, Jalen Carter can. Especially can, as a pass rusher. Yeah, yeah. Just the versatility of it. I'm just saying that he's not Jordan Davis's size. He can't just plug a hole quite the same way, though. He can do that too. Yes. Um, you know, and I, that's where my brain goes to is like, all right. So if George is doing this this year, like, what what does that turn into for for future years? I mean, does it just turn into a pipeline of this? Historically, it says likely not. You have to turn into an Alabama dynasty for that. But I mean, Georgia has all the makings to at least have a shot. At, yep, at and if you're at the level, you know, consistent top three classes, you're going to consistently put, you know, eight to ten guys a year in the draft. And I think the other – speaking of the putting people in the draft, I think that's my other big take-home from this is that, you know, based upon the performance at the Combine this weekend, you would have thought all these guys opted out in December. Mm-hmm. But no, they did not. They were there playing playoff, you know, playoff game and then a national championship less than 60 days ago. And they didn't went ahead and did this. So just kind of interesting to look at when you think about the opt-out crowd and not playing in bowl games and things like that versus what these guys did playing, you know, two the two biggest games of their season less than 60 days ago. Kind of makes you wonder if uh, the best way to prepare to play football and perform well in football drills is to play football as much as you can <laughs> yes very true uh, and then and by the way the, the injury risk part of it and kids hey this bowl game is not you know i'm not playing for the national championships all that 100 you know do whatever you're the ceo of you inc you mm-hmm. have to do what's best for your business and but you know i think it's interesting that you know these guys played those two games and did all these great things at the combine with you know not the quite training time uh, that everybody else had just quickly, some of the names that would be for Georgia at next year's combine. And you never know if this works out. So this is like totally rough estimate. Just tossing names that I think will end up being there. Tyke Smith, um, Karis Jackson will probably find his way around there. Kenny McIntosh, definitely. Nolan Smith. Uh, Ringo. I think he's there. Ringo's definitely there. Uh, Zion uh, Logue, I think, has a shot, especially if he ends up playing a lot this upcoming year. Stetson Bennett. Warren McClendon. <laughs> um, People are probably like, hey, what are you talking about? He ain't going to get drafted. No. I, I, you know what's interesting? If you go look, I, I, I haven't looked at the exact number, but it's close to double-digit NFL starters will be younger than Stetson Bennett come opening day. Not surprised by that. So you basically have a, from an experience standpoint, an NFL-level you know, quarterback coming back. There was one crazy stat. Who was the uh, the UCF quarterback that went to Florida State? I'm blanking on his name right. McKenzie now. Milton. Yeah, McKenzie Milton because of his like injury stuff. Um, he was like older than Joe Burrow. Yes, not shocking. <laughs> Which I think Burrow is only like six months older than 
six months or maybe a little more than a year older than, than Bennett than Seth and Bennett. Uh, but yeah, the draft is going to be something that is very Georgia heavy over the next two to three years. Well, and even some of the rising juniors that will have decisions to make. I don't think Jalen Carter has a decision that he's going to be, he'll be gone. Enjoy it. He'll be a top 15 pick. Uh, Marcus Rose, I mean, Jack Saint, potentially, you never know. Um, Gilbert, Eric Gilbert, if he has a great season. If he has a, if he has a great season, he's gone. He's going pro, 100%. Uh, Kendall Milton, same thing. Yep. Uh, and Agreed with running backs, well. uh, Darnell Washington, same thing. Um, Agreed. With those positions specifically, I'd get on out you if, if you can get get your money. That's how that usually goes. Uh, Cedric Van Brandt will have a decision to make at that point, as will Broderick Jones. There, there's a lot yes, of he's another uh, one. There's a lot of these redshirt freshmen that got like the COVID year that will have decisions. Yep. They'll, they'll have been three years, but it was you know when you think about hey. I think at one point they they had the or they might still be there, but the NFL's official Twitter account had the Jordan Davis forty picture on there with Baker like, Mayfield. If, if you could, you couldn't have scripted this weekend any better for if you're a Georgia football fan, if you're a Georgia football coach, if you're if you're a Georgia football player, like you couldn't have scripted it any better. They completely, utterly dominated the weekend in Indianapolis. Don't you think? And this may be presumptuous. Guys on Georgia's team that could be flirting with that like four three zero or potentially even like under that, which is like legendary speed. There, there's a couple guys that can get around there. From like, Keelan Ringo is the fastest guy on the team, is what we hear. Could he get that low? Arian Smith is a track star, so hundred percent him. Uh, him and then uh the the freshman that's coming in receiver cj smith cj smith that's also a track star like those are the three guys that i think if you're looking over the next three four years for georgia of like who can be setting some some combine not necessarily records but just making waves because the 40 is such a big deal in that space and you can make a lot of money off of a 40 time like the utsa defensive back is is about yes at his size at his size running that four three something very true. Uh, hey, don't forget my my boy Lad. Lad's on the GPS hit like almost what are twenty two something on that Bowers long touchdown. So Lad Lad might be in there too. You never know. Well, you've coached football way more than I ever have, which is you know pretty much that means you've coached football. Um, <laughs> a forty time is it truly relevant to to how the game is played? Because I know most positions do not sprint forty yards in one direction at one time. However, I know foot speed does matter. So explain a, to me what, how it matters for a player. Great question. Phenomenal question. And I think NFL evaluators look at the 40 as a almost like a – not a qualifier, but a, more of a disqualifier. Like, for example, when Elijah Holyfield ran 481, sorry, you're not getting drafted. When Isaac Nata ran 49, sorry, you're not getting drafted. It's the, hey, get in the club, like that kind of thing. Just let you in the club if, if, for positionally. Like, hey, if you're, a, if you're a defensive back and you're running 4-6 or, or slower, I need to really look at reevaluate you, which is the interesting part for seeing is the Hamilton kid from, from Notre Dame, while he's a much bigger athlete, was in the upper four fives, I think. So – but those things for me, it's it's basically more of a disqualifier because what happens in an actual football game? 
you have to use this thing, your mind. And like N'Kobe Dean racing across the field to make the play against Michigan. Yes, he has the physical capability to do it, but it was also mental capability that, you know, that goes into that as well. And, and you see so many guys that maybe, hey, he might run 4-5-5, four, five, five, but he plays 4-4 four, four because of the mental aspect of the game. So I, it, for me, the 40 is always one of those where you see – or somebody like Seen. Like Seen's a great example where it's like, I didn't think he'd run that at all. I thought he'd be more four or five guy that he was one of those that when he attacked, that he was, you know, sort of coming down with a vengeance and, and that kind of thing. But seeing the fourth, you have to go back and, all right, let me go look at him in deep ball situations. Let me go look at him where he really had to open up and run. And, you know, there's some plays where he's like, okay, he got his, got off of kilter from a uh, foot perspective and had the catch up speed uh, to make the play. So, that, that's the things I think that it more does than anything. It doesn't, you know, hey, I got to pick this guy because he's 4-4-2 four, four, versus this guy that's 4-4-8. Four, four, it's, all right, let me just make a, a little bit further evaluation. Versus, like, if Jordan Davis went in there and ran 5-4 at 6-6-3-40, they're like, all right, he can't play. He just you, – you're not fast enough to play. Even as big as you are, you can't play. You might be able to play in goal line situations, and that's it. We, you know, you got to be able to do, you got to be able to move in a certain aspect. So it's more to me as a, as a disqualifier than it is as a, hey, look, let's look at this singular number. From the NFL perspective, it only took about two years for people to look back and say, oh, holy crap, 2019 LSU had those guys. They had Burroughs yes. and Jamar Chase and Clyde and Justin Jefferson. and Justin Jefferson. And I'm missing another receiver. Terrace Marshall. Terrence Marshall with the Panthers. Um, do you think that's going to happen with Georgia's defense? I th- actually, I actually think you're going to look back not at 2021, but look at back at 2020, and you see Ojalari, Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes, mm. Monty Rice, like all these guys who were also picked high in the draft. Like even if you go back to the 2019 uh, SEC championship game against LSU. Like, all the guys that got snaps in that game, like, Quay Walker got snaps in that game. Yeah. Lewisine got snaps in that game. Like, and that's – they still had – you know, they had other guys that got drafted that year. So, it's just the talent that was – I think the 2020 one is you're going to look back and you're you're also – you're going to say, wow, how did Alabama put up and Florida put up the points they put up on that defense with that talent? That's kind of one – uh, and, you know, I think that's probably the most interesting thing about this season is that because of Georgia's inexperience in the secondary, they had to play differently. They couldn't play. They didn't have two first round level cornerbacks. So they had to play a whole lot more zone than they ever had to play in the entirety of the Kirby Smart era. Mm-hmm. It's not really so that the more zone uh, to me unlocked their front seven, the talent that was there in the front seven. And now it's like, hey, moving forward, do we change a little bit and play more like this, even if we have five-star corner and, you know, first-round level corners on the outside? This is a media thing. We're supposed to be a little hot takey at times. Not necessarily, but I'm going to. I think – we're recording this. It's 2022. We're talking about Georgia's 2021 team heading into the NFL. I think 
from Georgia's 2021 team, it is as likely that when we wake up in, let's say, 2025 or 2026, that as many Georgia offensive players are still in the league as Georgia defensive players from 2021. Because you start including the Bowers and the Washington. You get into some more offensive linemen. Broderick Jones will be there by that point. Cedric Van Pram by that point. Technically I, Jermaine Burton. Technically Jermaine Burton would be a part of that. So, <laughs> like, I, I think that like it's going to be really tight, which, uh, you know, the good thing about the internet is there's so much stuff on here that no one's going to hold me to this take and it's going to fade into oblivion right after this. But I'm just saying that the, the amount of talent on Georgia's offense, I think over the course of the next couple of years, will also be realized in the NFL draft. Yep. I agree. And what is that? That's a numero uno great recruiting. Yeah. And you're seeing that at the running back position already because you don't have to look far in the league to see, oh, Nick Chubb's doing that there. DeAndre Swift's doing that there. Sonny Michelle's already won two Super Bowls. Uh, You know, I don't know that he was a feature piece in the second one, but I mean, he was still a valuable piece. And Mm -hmm. so you start looking at George's running backs and saying, yeah, Zamir White can be a valuable piece for somebody. James Cook can do that, too. Kenny McIntosh will be able to do that, too. Kendall Milton will be able to do that, too. Maybe even Dejan yep. Edwards. Who knows? I think so. We but love that. Dom- hey, yes, and we got, we got videos coming up that we're going to be doing on, you know, I think the next two, seeing and pickings. Like these, it, it's We've already done four who we think are first-round locks. It could be. Uh, as much as six, like I said, I don't. I think the other positions kind of push those guys down, but it's going to be a great draft. It's going to be you know, as much as this weekend was a recruiting weekend for Georgia. So we're April whatever twenty something in Vegas. Like that will be, oh Georgia guy, oh another Georgia guy, yep. oh the national champion. You know, and it's there's no better way than. To do that sort of word of mouth recruiting uh, that's going to go on over the next few months. He's going to go to Vegas. Ah, that's a great question. Yeah, we'll ask you. You he would rarely he wouldn't probably turn that down if he could. But I'll I'll hit you with one final question because we have more work to do and things that we are prepping for ugasports.com, which you all, if you're watching this, should be a member of ugasports.com. And if even that commitment is just a little too much, because some people. You know, need to kind of tiptoe their way into these things. Subscribing to this YouTube channel. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook, pop over to YouTube and see what's happening over there. It's the same video, but then you can get like notified a little better. And it helps us with subscriber counts. We like the Facebook folks too. Um, but I just like YouTube a little more personally. So that's why I say all that. Uh, okay. You're an, an Atlanta Falcons fan. I have no problem saying that. We try to cover Georgia without bias. We do it at such an extreme detail. We're rooted in Athens, uh, so we care about a lot of people around Georgia, but we try to do the jobs with a discerning eye. You do not have to do that with the Atlanta Falcons because we do not cover them. So I'm asking you, what do you want the Atlanta Falcons to do in this draft? And then you can also compare that to what do you actually think the Atlanta Falcons will do in this draft? I mean, history tells you that they will take – not an offensive tackle and not an edge rusher. The two biggest like depth <laughs> and elite positions in this draft, they're probably going to avoid. No, that I, to me, I, I they they have so many holes one through 53. Like, they're any draft pick is going to be an upgrade for them, other than at tight end, I think, and quarterback, and maybe even. And Grady Jarrett, like those three, get like outside of that, everybody else is an upgrade. 
So they need as many swings as possible. So if you know, with the depth at edge in this position, I would think they need to come away with two edge guys. I think they need to come away with at least one tackle. And I would love to see them move back for someone that thinks Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett is the savior. And it's their guy. I'd love to see them move back to 12 or 13 or uh, six, 16 with the 15 or 16 with the Eagles or whatever that may be, pick up extra second round picks. I'd love to see him trade Calvin Ridley and get a second round pick. If he doesn't want to be there, if he wants to be there, great, come play. But if he doesn't want to be there, right, there we go. So you just need more and more swings and more and more chances. And by the way, the whole George, don't take Georgia players narrative. If there's ever a year to just squash <laughs> that completely, this is the year. Yeah. And even if you want to go take Jermaine Johnson too, because he's an edge guy who played for you know played for Georgia. Oh, for, I should have mentioned you know, him. I mentioned Demetrius Robertson. Yeah, he'll be a first round pick, Jermaine Johnson. By the way, he was also on that twenty twenty defense. So, you know, that you know, that like this is the year. This is the year to go do it. They need the help. Like they're boring too. Like the fact they're just they're boring right now. Their their offense is boring. Their team is boring. The games are boring. Like go be exciting. At least watch some guys that want to. We've used to been you know we kind of followed all this along these lines. There's but not, you know, obviously you can't have that bias. You have to have you go have to go pick the best player that you think fits your team and all the things that you do. And by the way, that might be Trayvon Walker at eight. But I will say. For if you if you're the Falcons and you take Trayvon Walker at eight and he's there, he's probably not going to be a ten sack guy in year one, but by year three he's going to be a consistent 12, 12 to fifteen sack guy. He's that t- he's that talented. This is a very crucial draft for that division because with the turbulence in Tampa, with as many players they've had depart, and then the Saints having the same level of turbulence with the new head coach. Uh, I know it, he was already there but they're still trying to figure a quarterback out, likely Jameis Winston coming for another year. And then the Panthers, whatever's going on there. Like the Falcons have the division for the taking if they can just get a few things right. Uh, But I would also say that same thing about the Panthers and the Buccaneers and the Saints. Like it is up for grabs. I 100% cringed when I saw the quote from Terry Fontenot where he said, we're trying to have our cake and eat it too about rebuilding while also still being relevant. Don't. Like that's just nah. That that you you win one of two ways in the NFL. You either have an elite quarterback that's making big money, and that guy can overcome the holes in your roster that are going to come with the quarterback making big money, or you have a rookie QB or a QB on a rookie deal, and you have an elite roster of just talent. We're all over the place around them. Like that's it. That's how you win. You can't be in the middle because in the middle, you're just living in the seven to 10 win range, you know, depending upon how the ball bounces in certain games because the NFL is designed to be so close. And that's just middle of the pack. You just, you, to me, you don't want to be there. You want to be rookie QB, like, like the Browns, team like the Browns. I would draft two quarterbacks this year if I were them. They're stuck right now. Yeah. They're 100% stuck. They have an elite roster and the quarterback is holding them back. Like, Draft two, start over, keep your roster awesome. And by the way, you draft two because one of them might be great. And if both of them stink, you draft two the next year. You got to find it. So Tampa's in that same spot, right? Where like you can't just lean on Trask. I would play him and draft another one. Yeah. 
or draft two and see which one of the three is the best. I don't know if this is – like if there's a year to avoid that strategy and just try the retread, this is probably it. I just don't see this quarterback class being that great. I, I don't believe in Sam Howell. I don't really believe in Willis uh, from Liberty. But, yeah, if I had to take a shot, it's him or Corral for me. Uh, I mean, I don't mind how. I think he's got some, something about him, but there's also some traits in him and how long he holds the ball and things like that where you're like – but – yeah, I wouldn't. And I don't believe in Kenny Pickett, though I can fully see how he's going to be drafted by the Denver Broncos in the first round for no reason, and then in two years be a backup for the Jaguars for no reason. Ritter would be the one I would take, actually. People don't – I think I just because I'm going to I'm gonna bet on the elite athlete and really good arm being the potential to be really good. That's it. So I see we've got to the point of the – show where the interesting chat thing gets blocked yeah we got some bots <laughs> hopping in the chat that means we need to uh and, and that means we're rambling too i have blocked yes. them and put them in timeout um there you go so here we go all right hey thanks everybody for watching we'll have more uh draft content coming this week here uh on our youtube channel as we continue going with video reviews of all of georgia's players you can expect to see video breakdowns of lewis seen from his time at georgia and george pickens at uga both of those include, I would say, three years worth of uh, – three seasons, I guess, worth of, of content, only because you didn't see much of George Pickens recently. And then right. Lewis Singh just played so darn long that there was a lot to choose from, uh, and he really grew, uh, grew in that. So we're excited uh, for this series that we're doing. Subscribe to GASports.com. Subscribe to this YouTube channel, Fort Brent Rollins. I'm Dane Young. Thanks for hanging out with us for the last 49 minutes. Uh, and we're going to put this on our podcast feed for all the audio listeners as well. Coming up this week, we'll have um, our UGA Sports Live show on Tuesday with Jim Donovan, and he'll get you up to date on what he saw from the NFL Combine and get his take on things. We'll also have our recruiting show with uh, Blaine Gilmer, Jed May, Trent Smallwood. Uh, that's rumors versus facts with UGA Sports.com. So check that out as well. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Have a good night.